that was The Cure here on 97X, the future of rock and roll. Before that, uh, an oldie, but a great one from the Minutemen. And we went to jolly old England for the jam. Uh, tonight at 97X at 11, it's Gridlock, servicing the underground of modern rock. Uh, host Mike Taylor has some new Pussy Galore, uh, some uh, John Spencer Blues Explosion, and Rick Astley? Day, day. Rick, Rick Astley on Gridlocks? Uh, mm-hmm. That would be fun. I'd yeah. tune in for that. Yeah. Hope it's a remix. Yeah. But yeah. we're not actually on 97X. We're not? No. Uh, 5120 College Corner Pike? No. Or we're not uh, down uh, downtown Cincinnati? Or we're not in uh, Austin, Texas? No, we're not. Mm-hmm. No. We're just doing a podcast in my basement, Yeah. a.k.a. the Party Dungeon. Mm-hmm. And the good news is, you mentioned Mike Taylor. Yeah. And we do have Mike Taylor here. You, you have the magic conjuring effect you say somebody's name they appear wow how you doing mike thanks for calling in hey, well guys all i want to know is i want to listen to that radio station <laughs> i mean uh the, the jam the Minutemen, uh gridlocks and that very uh very obscure uh rick astley remix that uh you know probably got played once mm-hmm. way back in the day well i know rick astley did get mentioned on 97X, but it was in a Mojo Nixon song. And I believe the exact line was, Rick Astley is a panty waist. Yeah, what song was that? <laughs> Debbie Gibson is pregnant with That's my right. two-headed love child. That's right. Yeah, classic from Mojo. I was just going to say, I'm sure you probably found a way at some point in all your production that you threw in a Rick Astley tune as kind of a music bed or a backing track, right? Yeah, that could have happened, yes. I didn't think about that. Uh, I believe Never Gonna Give You Up was the theme song to AG True Value. Uh, but I did bring up, correct me if I'm wrong, you and Shivy Shiv are the only two to be at College Corner Pike at Longworth Hall and down in Austin. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there are some other uh, 97X uh, com folks that are down here uh, as well. But uh, to have made the, uh, uh, the three-location uh, uh, stamp on our passports, no, I think it is just uh, uh, Shiv and myself. Yeah, so you were at the terrestrial station in Oxford, and then when it went... Online only. Originally, it was in Longworth Hall in downtown Cincinnati, as Dave alluded to, and then eventually moved to Austin, Texas, and then we don't want to talk about it anymore. Fair enough. Yeah. No, it's just sad. You know, I mean, eventually it went away. I mean, much to many people's dismay. When did you start at the terrestrial station? Well, believe it or not, I was, I was thinking about that earlier today, and it was really right about 30 years ago. Uh, at this time of year, it was either like January or February in uh, 1989 is uh, when uh, I interviewed with uh, the one and only Carrie Gray, uh, who was the uh, program director at yes. the time and uh, uh, character that he was and uh, came in to talk to him, uh, got hired on to do a weekend shift and uh, probably left there with a, a dozen or so albums and CDs of my choice. So after you left for a while, uh, you returned. What year was that? I was with uh, the radio station, you know, on a part-time basis for a couple of years. I took a job, uh, relocated uh, with my primary employer up to Chicago. And I was up there for about three and a half years and uh, actually tried to break into radio 
uh, a couple of instances up there. Um, but I ended up finding myself back in Cincinnati about uh, three and a half years later and uh, came back to the radio station because uh, I loved it and I missed it and I wanted to be a part of it. And uh, after a few more years working with my same employer, um, I kind of just got to the point where I was tired of doing what I was doing. And uh, I remember I had a conversation. I came and had a conversation with Doug. And I explained to him that uh, at some point in time, maybe in like a six-month time frame or so in the future, I might be interested to uh, see if I could latch on full-time. And uh, he called me once probably about six weeks after that. And he just said, hey, I know this doesn't uh, fit into your time frame, but we've got some movement out here. And, um, you know, the opportunity is going to come open sooner rather than later. So maybe we should talk. And uh, as it turns out, that's when uh, Mark Abuzahab uh, left the station. And so basically at the uh, tail end of 99, uh, I got hired to take his place uh, doing afternoons and uh, uh, as the assistant program director. It was great. A different kind of rock and roll. WXY in Oxford, Ohio is the number one station in this here town. The future of rock and roll, 97X. Now, how did you engineer and work uh, getting the digital only and you know getting to Longworth Hall? You were instrumental in that. Well, there was a... Uh a real team effort behind that you know i think uh, the whole notion of trying to keep the uh, the station going was really uh part of uh, the plan from the get-go um because if you recall when the uh, baylogs sold the terrestrial signal the one thing the things they didn't sell was they didn't sell uh, the website they didn't sell the music collection and they didn't sell the trademark 97x the future of rock and roll and uh, the whole idea behind that was to transition that into some type of uh, online entity to basically keep uh, the same spirit, the same programming uh, moving forward online. Um, when, when Doug hired me, really that was the, the point in time, and Dave, you might have been there uh, kind of at the, the first part of that, really trying to focus on the online aspect yep. of, uh, of the station and uh, really kind of uh, uh, growing the reach uh, of the station beyond the terrestrial signal. And, uh, you know, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I used to listen to a lot of uh, shortwave radio. Uh, I thought the idea of uh, you know, listening to uh, a radio station from around the world was uh, uh, pretty exciting. You know, all of those uh, Russian state funerals in the 80s, man, I, I, I nailed every one of those. You were tuned in, right? Um, Locked in. Yeah. Rolling a cassette. I, you, know, <laughs> you know, right in the middle of the hits, they turned to the maudlin music, and it's like, what's going on here? You know, and then, of course, the, <laughs> the, uh, the announcement comes on that, uh, you know, Brezhnev had died or whatever. But, no, I, I liked the idea as somebody that had grown up with 97X and uh, of wanting to take that to a wider audience. So for, for me, that was the big hook of getting me to come on full time was, was kind of helping to take what we all knew and loved in Cincinnati and the tri-state area to a larger, wider audience. That was the thing that really uh, kind of uh, pulled me out of my corporate existence and uh, – uh, into radio full-time. Yes, and I, I think a lot of us that worked at the station or like the station, I mean, we viewed 
the online realm as the great equalizer because we always talked about oh we, we have a bad signal but you know if you're online you can go around the world and you know the size of your tower no longer matters it was it was a lot of fun um and we when we get the uh kind of uh, i guess compared to today primitive analytics that we were able to uh, obtain we found that we had a nice little pocket of uh, listenership in places around the world and oddly enough we were we were relatively popular in brazil <laughs> i'm not sure why but um you know when all the uh like i said when all the data came back it's just like wow we've got this real, real spike of an audience in brazil and various parts of the world and uh again to me having folks from anywhere on the planet you know appreciate and and love and tell their friends about what we were doing in you know, Cincinnati, um, that was really gratifying. Mike, one question I wanted to ask was about, I, I feel like when you moved down to Longworth Hall, the quality of the live broadcast, the live in-studio performances really went up several notches. How did that come about, and how were you able to get those acts in there and set that up? Well, we were actually in a, an old recording studio. Um, you know, basically the uh, the con- the control room of the of the studio um, we used as kind of our main on air studio, and then you know right on the other side of the glass was a performance space. Um, so uh, that was kind of by design uh, from the get go, and I, I think it was something that even in the last year or so of the terrestrial station, as we started to try and do more and more of these things that we were bumping up against the limitations of the uh, uh, College Corner Pike facilities. You know, I remember one time we had, uh, you remember when the, uh, the Bears uh, reunited, probably in the early uh, 2000s, 2001, 2002. Uh, I think Car Caught Fire was the, uh, the album. It was yes. indeed. Um, yeah. Um, we had them all in to do a, uh, to do a you know, kind of a, 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 an in-studio thing. And uh, we really didn't have the ability to do much more than just have them all kind of like uh, uh, crouch behind the, uh, the microphone in a production studio. Um, you know, so I, I think it was one of those things um, that really, at least to me anyway, knew that uh, for what I think we were hoping to do more and more of these things, that uh, our limitations were uh, uh, pretty evident there at College Corner Pike. So when we were able to kind of look forward into the online entity um, and needing or wanting to do more of these that we just needed to have a more uh, recording friendly environment. And uh, uh, just turns out that uh, we found an old recording studio in Longworth Hall and that worked out great. Uh, you also took that even to a higher level when you got to a music city like Austin, which was really uh, some of the things you guys did down there were I thought were fantastic. Well, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do them for very long, but um, we had a nice facility down here. Um, it was also, was, actually, this was more of a TV studio that we were actually housed in. Um, the place that we came into down here was actually an old movie theater converted into a TV studio. Um, and so we kind of, uh, you know, just did our sessions in the, uh, in the TV studio space. And, uh, we built a, 
an on-air facility. We had a couple of rooms for offices. And for the, uh, <laughs> for the six or seven months that we were uh, uh, in operation down here, it was a pretty cool place to be. So you said about six or seven months before uh, the plug was pulled? Yeah, we started down here uh, just after Labor Day uh, in 2009, so September, and uh, the plug was pulled right after South by Southwest in March, so September to March, that's that's as far as we got. Wow. And and did you, because you were the, the program director, I mean, did you have to tell the rest of the staff, hey, folks, it's we're, we're done? I mean... No, no, we we were at that point in time, and we could kind of sense that this was coming. You know, we were in contact with the uh, the guys from the uh, entity that owned us at the time, a, a place called Future Sounds out of uh, uh, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys that was the owners had some Austin connections, had gone to school here at the uh, University of Texas, so he was in town fairly regularly. Um, and we knew that there were, you know, you know, financial difficulties. You know, um, it cost a lot to run us in the online years because we had to pay so much for uh, for streaming. Yeah. You know, it was kind of it was kind of uh, uh, damned if you do and damned if you don't. You know, the great thing is, as you get more listeners, um, it costs more to you know pay for the streams to have them listen. Um, and uh, the royalties that went along with that, um, it was really kind of financially crushing. Um, so they let us know that uh, in the last, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple of weeks leading up to uh, South by Southwest that uh, things were on thin ice and they were looking to try and fi- find some funding. And as it turned out that we actually had uh, booked all of our uh, in-studio sessions for South by Southwest that year, it was, you know, great bands. We had, uh, it sounds crazy to say this, we had a couple of folks that have recently passed away we had uh, a frightened rabbit mm. um uh, in for a session and uh, we had sharon jones and the death kings yeah uh, that final year um and uh, and they were great the facility was great the recordings were great um but we also knew that uh we were staring down the barrel of uh, the end of the line if uh, they couldn't uh, get their get some kind of additional funding for us um and so we actually worked the week of South by Southwest without pay with the notion that uh, this was going to be kind of a, a Hail Mary type of type of deal and something would uh, maybe develop while, you know, industry folks were in town. Uh, well, the Monday after South by Southwest, we essentially got a phone call that said that uh, a last ditch uh, uh, partnership to uh, get us some funding to keep us going fell through. And that's basically, that was it. There wasn't going to be any more money uh, coming along. Uh, there wasn't going to be any more bills to be paid, no more checks to be written. And uh, and that was pretty much it. 97X, WOXY, Oxford, Cincinnati. The future of rock and roll. And one other question, I vaguely recall this. I'm not sure if my memory is betraying me. But there was a time at the terrestrial station where, because we did Miami football and basketball, we had to be PG-13, and the local band, the Ass Ponies, 
were played, but we, we had to call them the A-ponies. And I thought when yep. you were a weekender and I was a weekender, there was one time where, you know, maybe I was coming in the shift after you. And you said, well, you know, the A-ponies will be performing, so get your ass there and see them. Did that happen? Uh, that's entirely possible, Damien. <laughs> um, you know, I, I probably took uh, my, my, my shots there on a Sunday night at 11.30 or something like that from time to time, hoping that uh, uh, the ownership group wasn't happened to, be, happened to be listening at the time. So that's entirely, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> uh, another deep uh, question I have for you. You're a graduate of Wright State University. You're a Raider. Uh, when are you and Bob Pollard going to be in their Hall of Fame? Bob's going to be there way before me, but um, uh, you know what? Uh, Wright State was a great uh, was a great uh, experience. I went to school with some uh, some very cool folks, some good friends that I'm still uh, tight with today. Yeah, as as far as uh, when I get in the Hall of Fame, it's probably as soon as that check I write them you know clears, <laughs> and I haven't uh, and I have and I haven't seen my checkbook in a while. <laughs> Um, we do have a rule here that we have to end a podcast after two Bella Lugosi's are dead. So I believe the back-to-back time frame is up. And I've been alerted by Steve Baker that he needs the studio to record a free throws. So um, thanks, uh, thanks for calling in. I do appreciate it. Well, I think it's great, and you guys probably get the same thing that I do. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, 97X means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it means a lot to you for your time that you spent in there and uh, um, you know part of the reason I eventually quit working at uh, KUTX over here is just because I, it wasn't fun for me anymore and um, I always told myself when I was working for the dot-com that this would probably be my last radio job just because there would be no place I could go after this would give me that would give me the same level of satisfaction that this does and um, that turned out to be right. Well, now we got to get to Carl from Millville requested uh, some Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it's requested Chili Peppers here on 97X, the future of rock and roll.